Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Hay and Masechah Zivamos, but we'll start on Daf Lamed Dalet Amid Bez, six lines up from the bottom, where it says, Amar Shmuel, The question at hand is, when somebody falls, a woman falls to Yibum, does the Miyamim do Yibum right away? We haven't discussed this yet. Um, together. So the answer is no. You have to wait three months to determine whether the woman is with child. However, Shmuel says that three-month rule has the following exceptions. Chutz Megiyores, convert, Mushukhores Katana. Exception in the sense that those two cases, Mushukhores Katana is a girl who had been a slave and is still a minor, and she, too, is exempt from three months dispensation. You can do Yibam on her right away. Says the Gemara, Bal Katana Bas Yisrael, the inference from Shmuel's halacha that only a katana slave girl can have yibum right away is implying that if she's a katana bas Yisrael, then she does have to wait three months. And the Gemara asks, Uvimai. And wait a minute. Why, how is this even possible? In other words, what is the case of a katana bas Yisrael? How did she end up getting divorced when she's nine, what would be the case? Well, even Meun, if it was through Meun, so then, as we know, that is the Darabanan Meun, and that is like the Darabanan divorce dispensation that Chazal allowed a katana to do in a case where she was sold. Remember, when she's a katana, then it's the situation of, right, she was sold by her family, so to speak, into marriage. Um, she was married off by her family, I should say. Yeah, but Shmuel specifically says that if it's Bemun, that such a girl is not required to wait at all before getting remarried. And so let's say she got divorced, like a legitimate divorce. Well, Shmuel already said once, So either way, Shmuel already has a statement regarding the Katana Bas Yisrael. And he says, just to review, if she gets out of the marriage via Meun, she does not need to wait three months. If he gives her an actual get, which he could, then she does have to wait three months. Why would he say that? Um, well, we, we, we will see. We will see. But the bottom line is, either way, right, um, this Katana is presumed to not be of childbearing age, okay? So if she's not of childbearing age, you would think that every katana should be allowed to, you would be able to do yibum or whatever you need to do, or she should be allowed to be getting married to somebody else immediately upon, right, severing some marriage. Maybe with the, with the get, she has to wait three months because uh, in order to avoid confusion with other types of girls, right, that are, that are getting a get, you know, the older girls that are of childbearing age, whereas Meun is a dispensation only for katanas, and since that doesn't happen with childbearing age girls, so then they don't have to wait three months. Be that as it may, neither of that is going to be, right, so you're not going to take the inference from a statement before of Megioris Meshucheres Katana, that when she's a Meshucheres at the stage of Katana, right, that only she is avoiding the the one month. The Meshucheres Katana in that case is exactly like the girl, right, that has Miyun, Right, and not like the girl that gets the get. So says the Gemara, Ella business. Shmuel was referring to a girl who had the, z- the znus and the Gazarabanan Katana Mishum Gadola. 
And therefore, in that case, they did a katana of a gadol. So in other words, Shmuel isn't discussing previously married girls, right? He's talking about a case where there was a znus. So that's a different case, right? So if she was, um, let's say, a avodos kachavim and converted or was a mshukweris, she does not need to, uh, to wait. Okay. So then, and so ask the Gemara, yeah, but do we ever have a case where we're going to have a Gezeris Katana Mishim Gedola? It, it doesn't, it, and certainly you're going to say, Katana Mishim Gedola, Gedola is childbearing. The Katana is not, perhaps not. And we learned in the Mishnah, which we learned a couple of days ago, right? We say that if they were never, right, fit to bear children, then we return them to their husbands immediately, right? So we see that the childbearing versus non-childbearing is a qualitatively different case. So why would we make a gazera one to the other? So I'm going to get The case of the Mishnah was a haraz shah. Because over there, if you recall, the case in Lamed Gimel was you had two brides that were actually a exchanged, right? What was the crazy case that we had over Shabbos? <laughs> Where we had two men marrying two women and they did not, and they immediately did the wife swap, right? Immediately, they didn't know who was who. So I, in both cases, they have to immediately go out. So he said that was a special ruling for that moment. So the Gemara asked me, Cloud, you mean that really happened? That wife swap really happened? So the Gemara, Ela kehoraz shahesa. No, the Mishnah's halacha is like a special ruling for that moment, because an exchange of wives is unusual, and so the Chazal didn't apply the three, the three month rule. In other words, when it is an unusual case, we don't apply, uh, right, and we see that all the time, whenever it's loshchiach, so even though you have a general, um, a general halacha of waiting three months, in a normal case, Chazal did not do gezeros in outlandish cases. Okay. So Barry asked a good question. He says, "Wait, wait a minute. If it's a katana, we don't care. We shouldn't have to care whether it's shchiach. Well, if you have a katana, so you're saying it should be qualitatively different that when a katana, you never have to wait at all. I mean, if she's not childbearing, what are we talking about? So Barry's saying we should never do a gazru rabban katana mishum gadola." Right, so that that's a very that's a very good question. So, what was the haraz shah? In other words, that was not meant to be a a precedent. But if im katanos, then they should return them immediately. That shouldn't be the reason. Shouldn't be a haraz shah. The reason should be simply because they are qualitatively different. So maybe that's what spurns the lishna achrina. Lishna achrina amrila. Here's the alternative version, Barry. Maybe you like this version better. The gemara continues. Amr shmuel kulat siyachos lamtin. Yeah, well, that makes more sense, Barry. Everyone has to wait three months. Now, this would be a chiddush, right? A giyores and a mishucheres gedola, right? A convert mishucheres gedola. Now, in this case, sounds like they're adults. Why do they not have to wait three months? I mean, they could have, right? They could still be with child. The Right, so in that case, the context is that a katana, right, that diuk makes more sense, right, Barry? That a katana should never have to wait And there we, again, say, Right, if it's b'miyun, then Shmuel already taught us that. 
If it's with a get, Shmuel says that you need to. As we said before, that in the case of mean, you don't have to wait three months. If you give her a get, she does need to wait. So you say, no. Right? So Shmuel is referring to a girl who did a business. And that's what it's referring to when it says that, right, that, that you have to lahamtim shlosha chadashim, or you don't have to wait shlosha chadashim in the case of giyos meshacharech, where it's nus. And the reason why he was not, uh, didn't make a giyos meshacharech in znus wait is because znus be katana lo shchiach. Because in a case where she's a katana, it's lo shchiach. So therefore he made the, again, says that the katana, you, um, you don't have to make the decree that she waits because of the fact that it's not shchiach. However, the Gemara says, So wait a minute. So then, if the, if the question, if the reason is that it's so then why are we saying in the case of the that is an adult, why are we saying that they don't have to wait? Ligzor. They should have to wait, right? So now it's all going to come together and make sense. It's actually going to be a uniform halacha, but we'll see. So first of all, it starts with the question. The question is, what's the difference between a giyores meshuchreres? If you're going to say that it's talking about znus, well, giyores and, uh, and a slave could be subject to znus. In other words, such a woman certainly could be with child, and therefore, it's really not intuitive to think that those women, according to, why would they be putter in a state where they're childbearing age, where it's their gadola? Why would Shmuel make them putter? So the Gemara answers, So, and So now we're going to say the halacha of Shmuel is going to reflect the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. What was the opinion of Rabbi Yossi? That's, uh, that's recorded in a brisa. The brisa says that if a woman is she's a convert, she's a captive, she's a slave woman, so this, these women are actually vulnerable, right? And could be entering any relationship with child. Therefore, once they are freed or they convert, so, 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 um, so Rabbi Yehuda says they have to wait three months before anybody can, right, marry them. And that makes sense because they could really be in child, for, with child from their slave days or their, right, non, or, for, or before they converted days. And so what is Shmuel saying when he says that those adults don't have to wait at all? Well, he holds like Rabbi Yossi, which the Brisa continues to say, Rabbi Yossi is matir, liaris nasamiyad. Rabbi Yossi says they can get married and they could have Arison and they could have Nisuin right away. That is what Shmuel Shita is reflecting. That Rabbi Yossi, that these converts could get married right away. Well, how? Why? Isn't it true that they could be of child? So I'm a Rabbah. Rabbah discusses my time at Rabbi Yossi. Kesavar, because Rabbi Yossi holds Isha Mizana Mishameshes Bemoch. That any time a woman is a situation where she's not, when she's out of wedlock, we'll call it, right? She's going to have contraception. Yeah, these women, right, that are either slaves or, right, or they're just not in the context of marriage. No, they're not looking to get pregnant. 
So therefore, they know how to avoid becoming pregnant. And it is for that reason that Rabbi Yossi and then subsequently Shmuel says that they can get married right away because they make sure to not be pregnant. Even though it's possible that they could be conceived, it's conceivable, you see what I did there, Barry? Even though it's conceivable that they could be with child, they are presumed to be basically practicing contraception. So I'm I understand contraception in a gyoris. Why? In other words, you don't become a gyoris overnight, right, Andrew? It's a process. So that process is something that she's probably anticipating for longer than three months. And so since she knows that she's going to convert, Minterinafsha, right? She's going to protect herself and she's going to make sure not to get pregnant. Right? If you're already at the stage where you want to convert, you're going to want to know that that child it came from you know your post-conversion state, and therefore you're going to be careful not to get pregnant uh, prior to that. Okay. However, shvuya v'shivchanami, and also if she's a shvuya, right? She's in, she's incarcerated. She's she's enslaved. Well, guess what? They might hear from their masters that they're going to be slaved or ransomed and they're going to be freed and therefore they too aren't going to be interested. In other words, if you think you're going to be rotting in there for the next, right, 25 to life, so maybe you would. You say, you know what I mean? I only have one life. I'll have a child. Even if it's from this situation, it's not ideal, but maybe you would let yourself go. But here, again, it's not typical. Usually you know when you're going to be freed, and therefore, towards the end uh, of their situation, before they get freed, they're going to watch themselves. However, but you know, once you have a case of a slave woman, there is a case in the Torah where you do get freed right away and unexpectedly, which is, she suffered some sort of trauma damage, right? She got injured on the job, and the master then has to, what? Has to, according to the halacha, immediately relieve her. And therefore, maybe she thought she was going to stay with this master for 30 years, got pregnant, and then immediately was Yotze, you know, left Beshain Ve'ain. And therefore, why is it that we're saying categorically that uh, a slave woman that was Meshukhreris, uh can get married right away? Maybe there's a case of a slave woman that was Meshukhreris, uh unexpectedly and thought she was going to stay there and therefore is carrying a child. So Hechi Mishkachasla. How is it true? How is she going to protect herself? She didn't anticipate to be freed. Maybe if you're going to say that Yossi agrees that yes, in that case of Yossi, she does have to wait three months. We learn in a brisa. It's not really Mishnah. Uh, another, you know, crazy case. A woman was, was, right? A woman was seduced or was raped. So this woman obviously, right, was not looking to have a child with this person. However, and, and therefore, and so clearly we see right, where Behuda says you have to wait three months because she might, right, be with child. However, even there, unbelievable. Rabbi says, we know that this woman, right, was violated and we know that she thus might be with child. And yet we still let her get married away, says the Gemara. After morning pill, a woman that is Mizana, 
even if she didn't manage to protect herself prior, she will do misapechas, whether that's physically possible. However, let's assume they had an after-morning type of pill, an after-the-fact type of contraception. And the point that Abayah is making is these women are never interested in becoming pregnant. Certainly the women, right, who are violated. And therefore, any case where a woman does not want to become pregnant, we are assuming that they are not pregnant and we let them get married right away once their status changes. So wait a minute. If that's the case, why is Rabbi Yehuda requiring to wait three months? So the Gemara, it ends up being a machlokas about how effective is this after the fact. And uh, therefore, it's a very different machlokas than what we thought. But now it's clean, Barry. Now we see. If a woman is not going to be of childbearing age, so then we're not going to worry, it looks like. If there's no chance that she's going to be of childbearing age, we're not going to make a gazera. And if a woman is a gadola, so then it's going to be a case where any time we assume, and this is true of a giyaris, and a mishukhreris, and a anusa, all of these women, right, Rabbi Yossi is going to say, right away, you can get married. Why? Because these are all women that presumably, all of those situations, they're, that, that right, be, uh, becoming pregnant is not what they're interested in at all. And therefore, for that reason, we let them get married right away. However, uh, Rabbi Yehuda is going to be a little bit more careful. They say, yeah, they don't want to get pregnant. And even after the fact, if they're not watching beforehand, they're going to try to right, take care of it after the fact and do some form of contraception. But the fact of the matter is, we can't rely on that contraception. You know, it doesn't always work. And therefore, that's why we wait three months. It becomes like a machlokas into the effectiveness of the contraception. So now, the end of that, Mishnah Kohanos, right, seven lines up, the two dots from the bottom, says, we already said that if the daughters of Kohanim they become disqualified from kahuna. Now, disqualification from kahuna is because, as we will see, there's actually a machlokas, Rashi Tosu, see machlokas, we've shown him as to what's going on. Um, so let's see what's going on. Says the Gemara, Kohanis in Israeli slow. Right? Obviously, the Mishnah said Kohanim. They're disqualified from some version, some aspect of the kahuna. Presumably, it's what? Eating the chum. Let's see. That's what the Mishnah said. So, Ema. Ema yu Kohanim. We have to change the Mishnah to say that it, they were the wives of Kohanim. Neshei Kohanim in? Neshei Israelim lo asks the Gemara. Wait a minute. So the wives of Israelim don't have to worry. The wives of Kohanim do have to worry. That, that some, this was told to us by Rav Sheshis, according to Rav Amram. And he lightened our eyes by bringing proof to it from our very Mishnah. What was it? The following. Let's say, so this is, this is going to be what the case is, Andrew. Let's say you had the wife of a Jew, regular wife of Israel, and non-Kohen, and Nansa, Rahman al-Islam, she was violated. So we know that an Ashish Ish that, uh, that did adultery, she's a surah Labala, right? But an Ashish Israel that did not do adultery, Never did anything intentionally. She didn't participate in it, but she was violated. So in that case, we say she's muteris labala. But afa bisha muteris labala psula lekahuna, right? So and we know that a coin can't marry a woman who's divorced. Unfortunately, a coin can't marry a woman either. Uh, that was what? That was violated. And so that's the machlok between Rashi Tosfos. Whether that Tosfos says the re says it has to do with tuma. 
it's a psukim. Let's say that the zona slash tuma slash anusa. The bottom line is she is right in some ways, so to speak, contaminated. And in that case, she is therefore pasul lekahunas. So now we say, let's bring it into the daughters of Khan and explain what the Mishnah says. That even if these Kohanos, right, the Bas Kohen is what? The Bas Kohen usually is allowed to eat the truma in our house, right? So if the Bas Kohen, let's say, was Arusa and the Erison gets dissolved, so she can go back to her parents and eat the truma. However, if they were, if they were Nisuis to Israel, Nitzel min truma, they So then they're disqualified from eating the truma when, if they ever were to go back, because they lose that, that status of the kahuna. And you have to be a Kohen, as we know, in order to eat truma. Sajran Allah, Arba Achim. Beautiful. So now as we turn and we start at the, um, at 5.59 a.m., we are on Lamed Hay on base, and we'll start the fourth parak. Hachol Vimta. Similar topic. Hachol Vimta benimtas mu'beres v'yalda. Oh, fascinating case. The person did chalitza. Okay, so a woman falls to Yibam. person did chalitza. And then, turns out, she was, in fact, pregnant. Ooh. Okay, wait a minute. When? She's found that she was pregnant... So this is a case where he didn't know that she was pregnant coming in. But guess what? what? When is Yibam applicable? Let me ask you a question. A person never has any children and passes away childless, but it turns out that his wife was with child at the time that he passed away. And subsequent, posthumously, subsequent to his death, she gives birth to a child. Is such a child, uh, is such a woman, does such a woman require Yibam? The answer is no. He left, that's considered leaving a child. That's considered not dying childless. Okay. So what happens if a person did chalitza, okay, and turns out that his brother, sure enough, did not die childless, right? The woman is muberis, so then you wait, right? So bizman shavlat shel kayama, it turns out that she, sure enough, she was pregnant with a viable child, and the child lives a bouncing baby boy, let's say, or a girl. Who mutter bekrovoteha? So now... What did he do? He did chalitza on a woman that really he, what would have been his status if, this, if the brother was childless? So he would, that would have been an aishas achiv, but he didn't marry her. All he did was do chalitza on her. So then, right? So typically, a divorced woman is puzzled from a kahuna. But the, and typically, right, a woman who, let's say, um, he, if he had actually married her, then he'd be also Bikrovosel, right? Because they would be ervas to him. But guess what? This is all a long way of saying the chalitza was garnished mit garnished. The chalitza was nothing. That's what it means, right? He did chalitza, it turns out he did chalitza on a pregnant woman, and therefore his brother was never childless, as it turns out. And therefore the chalitza means nothing. He spit in a shoe. Nothing bad happened. And therefore, it's as if they never had any shaykhs at all. Right, he's allowed to marry any of her krovim. There's no ervas. She's mutter in any of his krovim. There's no nothing. Right, she's not considered like a divorced woman, as we will see. Chalitza and Gitin, assuming uh, presumably have a similar status, which means she can't just like you can't marry a grusha if you're a kohen, you can't marry a chalutza if you're a kohen. 
But none of that applies to this woman because the chalitza was done erroneously and it's as if nothing. That's the safe aspect of chalitza because you never, no harm, no foul. You just continue, you can totally dissolve it as if nothing happened. Great. Now, if it turns out, however, that the woman, in fact, lost the child so that her husband, right, the deceased, really did die childless. And then, who Yeah, then the chalitza, turns out that it's chal, so to speak, right? Then the chalitza really did take effect, and therefore it's as if it's a, it's a regular case where the man died childless, the right woman had chalitza, and therefore he's also b'kruvaseah, she's also in his krovim, it's as if they had a regular chalitza, and therefore they're forbidden within the rules of chalitza, as is the case, that you can't do chalitza and then marry an erva of that chalitza, and then psalamina kahuna, and then she's considered like she has been either a, a divorced or given chalitza to, and she cannot marry a Kohen. Fine. Now, that's if he performed chalitza. Says the Mishnah, what if he performed yibum? Oh, right? So Akona said, yibim to benim vialda. Oopsies. Right? He jumped the gun, let's say. He didn't wait the three months. And so right after Shiva, he does yibum, marries her. Then turns out, right away, turns out she's three months pregnant. Well, that's physically impossible, Andrew. Uh, I, I don't want to have to teach you this now, but the fact of the matter is, this must have come from the previous husband. Okay? So, Bizman shel kayama, if the child is viable, so it turns out, yeah, his, his older bro, who's deceased, Oliver Shalom, managed to have a child, left it legacy, and therefore the Yibum, uh oh, so how do you do Yibum on, on Ashes Achiv? So, Yotzi, yeah. He has to divorce her. Bechayven bekorban. Now they both, interesting, right? They both have to bring a korban. What's this korban going to be? A korban chatas. Why a korban chatas? Because it's an iser kari, so it's just, ach. However, um, it was an inadvertent iser kari. So that's when you bring a korban chatas. Korban chatas is, is, is when you do it, right, not uh, inadvertently. So this is a shogeg, right? This is a chatas, uh, a kari's, uh, prohibition, Bishogeg, where you bring a carbon chatas. This is both the Yavam and the Yavama participated in this inadvertently. They didn't do it on purpose. But if, if they did do it on purpose, by the way, they don't bring a carbon chatas. But they did not do it on purpose. They didn't realize that she was with child. And therefore, they're going to bring, uh, he's going to obviously have to divorce her because he can't, that's an Isra Kares. And they're going to bring a carbon chatas. Fine. But, Yeah. You know, you think it's Thursday. Right. And then you do that malacha. Right. You know that it's Shabbos, but you know that malacha was usher. But this has a, a different implication here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. So, what was that? Daf Ein Gimel? Or Nun Gimel? In Masechah Shabbos. When it goes through all the Lamates Malachas. And it, t- it discusses the, the way Chatas works, right? We said, why do we, why do we, why do we list all the lamates malachos? Barry says, in order to show that you're gonna have, have to bring a, a separate korban chatos. Remember that it was the reason why we had to to split it up into the av malachos, into all the categories, to show that when if you violate several of them, you're gonna bring multiple korbanos chatos. But Barry says, korban chatos. Well, what kind of shogeg is that, right? 
He's saying, I thought that Shogig was, if you didn't know, so you're splitting it up. You're saying, you knew what you were doing. In other words, these, these two knew that they were getting married, right? They knew that they were going to have a child. They knew that they were going to live like husband and wife. So they had, that mice had full cognition, right? There was no Shogig there. The only thing they didn't know was that she was with child. And does that matter? So I think the answer is that it does not matter. In other words, as long as there's any element of shogeg, remember, when it comes to Shabbos, so meleches machsheves asur Torah, right? So when it comes to Shabbos, we have to be careful about which aspect is shogeg. Because if you have no uh, intention of doing the maisa, let's say, whatsoever, so I think this is what you're referring to, Barry, if you have no intention to do the maisa whatsoever, so then there we said it's not even going to be a korban chatas. It's not even going to be a shogeg because you didn't have intention for what Rabbi Safar Shlita calls the pe'ula. You didn't have intention for that maisa. So if you didn't have, and again, melechas machsheves asr Torah. So it's not even going to be a shogeg. In order to be chayev on, on Shabbos, you have to, uh, korban chatas, you have to have some semblance of knowing what you're doing just to have a chayev in the first place. So yes, it's going to be, oh, you didn't realize it was Shabbos. Or you, you knew that you were doing this melechah, but you didn't know that it was asr. So those would be the two cases where on Shabbos it's going to be usher, but you have to be very aware of this, uh, of at least what you're doing. Um, in this case, I think any element, because it's not Malachas Machshevis, right? The Kavana doesn't really matter. In the case of Yibum, it's really just like, uh, at the end of the day, what did, what did your action produce? What was, what Lemaisa happened? And your Kavana, I don't think is going to matter in this case. It's just going to be, it, it's just going to be very pragmatic. Like, if you, do it, and this is very much born out in our Mishnah, right? Because we're even saying the same exact Misa with the same exact Kavana is going to either be Mutter or Usser, depending on whether the child is viable. Mind you, she can even be pregnant and give birth to the child, and if he's Khalila Nafel, dies on day, let's say, 20, anytime within the first 30 days, the whole case gets Paskin differently. So it's clearly not relevant at all what the Kavana was. It's only relevant what the Metzias is, right? What, what practically is going to happen. So, so so it's going to be, but you'll see, this is not the only case of Korban uh, we're about to see. Right? So now again, they got uh, married, we'll call it, right? They did Yibum and got married. And she was with child from the, fa- the previous brother that was deceased. And then she, sure enough, Khalila gave birth to a non-viable child. What happens? Yikayin. He can keep her as his wife. And that's it. He keeps her as his wife. She's his wife now. And that worked, so to speak. However, Suffolk ben Tisha Larishon, Suffolk ben Shiva Laacharon, uh-oh, the child is viable, Okay. But we don't know whose baby it is because don't forget, they got married after, right after Shiva. And then say eight months later, the child is born. So now we have a suffix, Andrew. We don't know whose child, who was the father. So in the absence of a definitive paternity test, Yotzi. So then obviously he has to divorce her because this might, he, she might be an Eshesach. Vehavlad kosher. But we're going to say that the child is legitimate. As Rashi says, look at this. Look at Rashi. Mimanafshach. Rashi invents the term Mimanafshach. How do you like that? <laughs> the two word Rashi. Mimanafshach. Why is it Mimanafshach? Why is it Vlad Kasher, Andrew? Because it's like this. If the child was from the first husband, 
So then he's divorced. So then the second, the brother who did the erroneous yibum, he's leaving. He's, 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 going, he's going away. So then obviously he was born out of regular wedded, wedded situation and it's the Vlad's kosher. If, so that's if, the, if it's the original brother's child. If it's the brother who did the erroneous yibum's child, well, it turns out it's not erroneous after all. Right? The only way this Yibam is erroneous is if it's the first brother's child. But if it's the second brother's child, then the first brother sure indeed died childless. And therefore the Yibam was, in fact, right, Eiskehalten. It was a Kasher Yibam. And therefore, it was re- either way, right, whoever the father is, the Vlad is certainly going to be Kasher. However, Bechayavin Be'ashem Tali. Then you get a different kind of carbon berry. That's an Ashim Tali. What's an Ashim Tali? Well, now you get a real good sense of what an Ashim Tali is. Finally, we have a case where you can apply it to. An Ashim Tali is when you have a real suffix, right, um, of whether you did the Kares. So regular suffix where you did a Kares Beshogeg, regular Kares Beshogeg, that's the Korban Chatas. That's the classic case. You violated an Isra Kares Beshogeg and therefore you bring a Korban Chatas. Here is we have a suffix whether you did a kares b'shogeg. That is the case of Asham Toloi. Okay? That, that, that's that, uh, that Corbin finds. So now the Gemara says, Itmar, beres v'hipila. What would be the case if a person did chalitza, uh, the case of our Mishnah, and then she miscarries? So we already said that if she miscarries, so our Mishnah said that it's, it's, it's fine. The chalitza works like a, like a genuine chalitza. They're each going to be usher, right, to eat, to each other's krovim, right? And therefore, that should be the case. And she, if she was a kohanas, she shouldn't be, uh, she shouldn't, uh, be uh, allowed for the kahuna anymore. However, we have the machlokes over here of the Amorite. You need to have another chalitza. Well, Hipila. It sounds like the chalitza should be good. So that's what Rabbi Yochanan shita. Rabbi Yochanan says that the chalitza was good. Right? It turns out retroactively the chalitza was good. What's Rish Lakish up to? Why does he say that she needs chalitza again? So the Gemara is going to explain. Rabbi Yochanan Amarin, because chalitza mubarish ma chalitza. That's what our Mishnah implies. That the chalitza of a pregnant woman, that turns out that she was pregnant, retroactively becomes chalitza and becomes valid, right? Because of the fact that turns out, in the end, that in fact the older brother died childless, or at least he never managed to have viable children. However, and that would be true of chalitza or bia. This is what our Mishnah says. What's Vishlakash up to? Let's see. Why? Because he holds chalitza's muberes, loshma chalitza, not like our Mishnah. He holds if you do chalitza for muberes, even if it turns out that, the, the, that you needed to do chalitza, she was with child. But the child wasn't viable. Do another chalitza from one of the other brothers, or do another, right? Or do another bia. In other words, you don't have to bring a second brother, but you would have to do yibum again, right? loshma bia, right? So in other words, the the brother, right? So Reuven died childless. Shimon does yibum. Turns out that this woman was pregnant with Reuven's child. Uh oh. Uh, oopsies. Oh, but then she has a non-viable child. Turns out Ruve needed the Yibam altogether. Yeah, but do Yibam again, would say, Rachel Akish would say. 
Okay. There's two ways to see where the machlokas is coming from. Let's do the svara first, Barry. Rabbi Yochanan Savar, Rabbi Yochanan holds like our Mishnah that it's retroactively works. It says, If we had a crystal ball or Elio and Navi, both could tell the future. So had you known that this woman would never have a viable child, and therefore her pregnancy is irrelevant. So would you not say that she's a regular, el, regular eligible for chalitza and yibum? So here too, it turns out retroactively that she in fact was never with child. It turns out Ruvain in fact died childless. So therefore, why should you, you say that the chalitza and the yibum is not valid? So what's so what's Rish Lakish? So Rish Lakish clearly is going to say Rish Lakish Amar Tiglai Miltzal Mafreya Lo Aminim. Yeah, when do you ever say retroactively that a marriage is good? It has to be kosher in the moment. Okay, so that's the svara, right? It's a machlokas about whether you can retroactively uh, say that. Yeah, we knew it all along that this was going to be okay. That's one possibility. But you say makra, or you could say that they're looking at psukim. Rabbi Yochanan Savar Uven Ein La. Right, the pasuk says if he has no viable offspring. Right? Amar Rahman of Yeah, it turns out he never did have a viable offspring. However, Rish Lakish Savar, Uven Ain Lo Ayena Love. Ain can be do, uh, spelled without a Yud, which is almost like Ayena Love, which is like examine him. Right? Which means Rish Lakish reads into the Pasuk that we have to know at the time whether, right, whether he was, um, whether he, he was viable. Or whether she was with child or not, and therefore you cannot look back retroactively according to the psukim either. So now let's see uh, some proofs for both for both of these positions. Rabbi Yochanan is going to bring cases where it sounds like you do in fact say that retroactively it's okay and that the chalitza, like our Mishnah, is going to work uh, if it turns out retroactively that the woman was with a child but not with a viable child. As follows. Says the Mishnah, our Mishnah, Right, Rabbi Yochanan is going to bring our Mishnah as a proof. Our Mishnah says, "Einavlad shel kayama, who aser bekrovav seav, yoser bekrovav ufsalamina kahuna." What did our Mishnah say, guys? We said that if the child is not viable, we treat it like a regular chalitza. He's also to the krovim; she's also to his krovim. It's as if the child never happened, as if the pregnancy never happened. Ufsalamina kahuna; she's a regular chalitza. Well, doesn't that sound like Rabbi Yochanan? Rabbi Yochanan thinks so. Says Rabbi Yochanan. Yeah, that sounds like me. That a chalitza of a muberis is a real chalitza. That's why she's uh, disqualified from kahuna. But according to you, Rish Lakish, who holds that a chalitza of a muberis doesn't count, why would she be puzzled with kahuna? So Rish Lakish is going to say, Yeah. It's a chumar ba'alma midurabanan because after all, right? We're, we're we're going we have a chalitza here, so we don't want to get chal- two types of chalitzas confused. And so, as a chumrah, we're going to say don't uh, that you should be puzzled, and we're going to treat her like like a chalitza. But don't take that to to mean that the chalitza is a real chalitza. So we read the Mishnah very much like Rabbi Yochanan. Rishlakish is reinterpreting our Mishnah and saying that now all these alachas of the Mishnah have nothing fundamentally to do with the chalitza being real. They have everything to do with just the chumar ba'alma. That if the child is not viable, right, then it should be 
a that, that we should be careful, right? And we're going to treat the chalitza, right, like as if it was a real chalitza, but he doesn't know that it was a real chalitza. Or an alternative version, Ika de Amri, you'll see. Now there's a version, there's a way of looking at it where Rishlakish himself uses our very Mishnah, not only can he explain it away, but he's going to be, make a diuk, an inference in our Mishnah that actually supports him. Watch this. It looks in our Mishnah and it says, our Mishnah says what? If the child is not viable, who the same halacha, right? Says that we treated like a regular chalitza. He's also in her krovim, and he's pasul the kahuna. Says Vishlakish, you know what? This not only does it not sound like you, it sounds like me. Why? Because I, as we've outlined already, hold that the chalitza of a pregnant woman is not real chalitza. Aha. See, it says psalm kahuna. It sounds like it's lechumra. Aha, right? What are the brothers? Does she need another chalitza? Well, the Mishnah doesn't say whether she needs a, another chalitza. So the way Rishlakish reads our Mishnah is that she's puzzled from kahuna, but guess what? She's still, just as a chumrah, she's puzzled from kahuna. She still needs a legitimate chalitza. Rishlakish reads within our Mishnah that she needs a chalitza mina achin. Right? If it's true what you say, Rabbi Yochanan, that a chalitza v'mubaris is a legit chalitza, then she should require, then you should have another clause in the Mishnah to tell you that chalitza is done. Right? That, that you don't need chalitza again. Rish Lakish holds she does need chalitza again, even in our Mishnah's case, because he reads our Mishnah very differently from Rabbi Yochanan. He holds that a chalitza v'mubaris doesn't work. Ah, you do adopt, if it turns out that the child's not viable, you adopt all the chumras, Right of 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 having had chalitza, but you also need to have chal- legitimate chalitza afterwards. Wow! So Rabbi Yochanan is going to defend himself. Amalei einachinami. Okay, einachinami in this case means yeah. Um, it would have been preferable. Right. In other words, einachinami. I think he says that she does need chal- she does not need chalitza uh, from from the achin. Let's see if you read it right uh, from the Mishnah the way you, you suggested that would be. True, but I did the Tana Lopsala. But since the Mishnah in the beginning said Lopsala, Tana Seifa Psala. That's why it said in contrast in the Seifa, right, that she is Puzzle Mikahuna. But you're, but you're right. In other words, the Halacha is exactly the way I said it would be. In other words, Chalitza does work. The only reason it doesn't say anything about the Yachin is to keep the Mishnah, right, consistent in its language. We see that all the time. The Mishnayas were consistent in language, this was Torah Shabbat It had to be remembered as such, and therefore it was kept uniform. But Einachinami says Rabbi Yochanan, she does not require chalitza from the brothers. And in fact, the, you can't not make the inference from the fact that it doesn't mention anything about that from the Mishnah, because the Mishnah just has to be linguistically consistent. But in fact, the fact of the matter is, Rabbi Yochanan says, the chalitza of a Mubaris is in fact a very legit chalitza. Okay? So now, Esau Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlakish. Now Rabbi Yochanan is going to come at Rishlakish with our Mishnah as follows. It says, Ain't of Lachel Kayama. How about if the child is not viable, Yikayim? What about the fact that you can keep her as wife? This is the case of the Yibum, not the case of the Chalitza. So a brother is Miyabim, right? His deceased brother's wife turns out, whoopsies, she was pregnant. So does he keep her as his wife or not? So if the child is not viable, he can keep her as his wife. So Bishlam Lady Dita mean Khalitza Smubaris Shma Khalitza Ubvias Mubaris Shma Bia, 
right? I can understand. Why does he keep her as his wife? Because it has to be, according to Rabbi Yochanan, that even though she's pregnant, retroactively you say that the child from the previous deceased brother is, is not viable, and therefore she did require Yibum, and even though he jumped the gun and did Yibum prematurely, it sure is Yibum. That's why he let them stay married. According to you, Rish Lakish, who holds that the Yibum of a pregnant woman, even if it turns out that the child is not viable, is not considered Yibum, so shouldn't the Mishnah say, not only Yikayim, keep her as your wife, but go and do Yibum again? That should be the Allah, according to you, Rish Lakish. So my Yikayim, so Rish Lakish says, no, Yikayim means Yachzer V'Yibol V'Yikayim. Yikayim means, yeah, keep her as your wife and do Yibum again. That's what the Mishnah meant when it said Yikayim. Not what it sounded like, but that's what it meant. The law sagi, because obviously without this extra yibum, it would not be enough, because after all, Rish Lakish holds that the yibum of a meubaris is not a yibum. Or, alternatively, ikadamri, again, we're going to bring a case where Rish Lakish holds that this, our, our Mishnah brings a proof to him. So it says that if the Vlad is not viable, according to me, who says that the Chalitza and the, and the B of, of a, and the Yibam Muberis is not valid, that's why it says Yikayim. Right? It, that's why the Mishnah says Yikayim, which he had already said means Yikayim, they have to do Yibam again. The law sagi bilavachi, right? He's doubling down. He's saying not only when it says yikayim does it mean that you should do yibum again. That's the pasuk shot in the Mishnah. How are you going to answer that pasuk shot, Rabbi Yochanan? You hold the yibum of a muberis works. Why does he have to do yibum again then? The law sagi bilavachi. It sounds like, according to my interpretation of the Mishnah, says Reish Lakish, it sounds like you have to do, have some explaining to do, Rabbi Yochanan, because I understand that she has to do yibum again. El didach ratsa yotzi ratsa yikayim It Should have said, yeah, you could either be mikayim. Or you could actually give her a get without ever being with her again. Because after all, according to you, Rabbi Yochanan, the original, be, uh, right, the original Yibum during her pregnancy would have been enough. Says the Rabbi Yochanan, yeah, that's exactly the halacha, that he can give her a get. I did the Tana Reisha Yoytzi, but since the Tana said Yoytzi in the first part, Tana Nami Sefer Yikayim. But again, that the, the Yoytzi versus Yikayim is more of a linguistic Right pattern. It has nothing to do with the halacha, but according to the halacha, you're going to have to be, um, yeah, you're going to be, have to be motzi. You can be motzi her if you want already at that point. Uh, 624, is actually a good place to stop. So where is this meisve? About uh, seven, eight lines up from the bottom of Lamed Hayam and Beis.